Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with Asia Hill. Asia is currently the director of Federal Customer Success Unit at Microsoft supporting federal civilian government entities in Washington, D.C. and New York. Asia is a graduate of the University of Maryland College Park, where she received her B.A. in economics. After graduation, Asia started her career in the entertainment industry. During that time, the digital wave was beginning to take over and caused massive disruption, forcing Asia to make a career change. In 2008, Asia joined Microsoft as a regional marketing coordinator, supporting Microsoft partners with the creation of marketing programs. Soon after, Asia transitioned to the partner development team where she helped partners transform from server and licensing partners to cloud-ready partners, enabled for a digital world. In this role, Asia coached partners on how to transition to the cloud influencing business decisions from compensation styles and profitability models to marketing campaigns and new customer acquisition requirements. During this time, she learned the power of disruption and the importance of innovation. Now, Asia is responsible for the Microsoft Teams usage at all federal agencies. Through her team, Asia works to help customers transition value from IT to the broader organization. Historically, IT would deploy a technology and believe it to be successful. Today, we know success doesn't happen until people engage with the technology. When people embrace and engage with solutions designed to improve their working environment, innovation occurs. Customers of Asia's team support includes United States Air Force, United Nations, American Red Cross, United States House of Representatives, and Nassau. Outside of work, Asia is a wife and mom of two toddlers, ages five and three. When not at swim practice, baseball practice, or dance recitals, Asia enjoys traveling the globe and has a goal to see 60 countries by 60. Don't forget to let Asia know your favorite travel destination so that she could add it to her travel plan. Welcome to the show, Asia. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right, let's get started. So Asia, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, I've asked the question of others that I'm inspired by all the time, whether their career path was fate or planned. Mm -hmm. And most often people tell me it's fate. And um, early on in my career, I didn't quite understand that. I thought everything would be planned out to the T and um, I would know exactly where I end up. And 
Um, I can attest that none of it has been planned. It's all <laughs> sort of fate. Uh, I originally thought I was going to have a career in uh, entertainment law and uh, that I would be working for very cool artists uh, negotiating contracts. And that plan didn't net out. Uh, I worked in uh, the music industry at the very beginning of my career, uh, doing marketing for Universal Music Group. And I was marketing artists like Jay-Z and Gwen Stefani and The Killers. Uh, and just really fun coming out of college and, and the exciting part of getting to know who I thought would be my client. Uh, and then right around that time, this is right 2007, 2008, there was the Napster era and the decline of the music industry because of this com competition with free, uh, where even as I was working in the music industry, I would go home at in the evening and I would download CDs from mm -hmm. um, Napster you know, for free. And so I was sort of stealing from the same industry that I was working in. And as a result, not directly because of me, but just where the industry was going, I lost that job um, and that marketing job um, at the um, at Universal uh, was no longer. Uh, and so at the same time, um, I'm losing this job in in, in uh, music industry. I had my resume on like Monster or something, and Microsoft called, and they asked if I would be interested to do marketing for. Microsoft. And at the time, Microsoft was, at least in my opinion, a dud. Um, <laughs> this big commercial out where it was the Apple guy that had the cool sweatshirt and the sneakers. Uh, and there was the Microsoft guy that had a gray faded uh, <laughs> carrying a briefcase. Um, and just that, that was my impression of Microsoft. Um, but what I was yearning for was stability and um, and the comfort of knowing that I would be able to have a paycheck every two weeks. Uh, and so I took the opportunity and my career from there just kept going um, where it was never designed for me to be in IT or tech. Uh, but I have loved the fast pace of technology and how things move uh, at Microsoft and the constant pace of learning and uh, being challenged all the time that being here is a place that while I never imagined I'd be here, I, I, I can I, I say I don't imagine that I'll be leaving anytime soon. That's great. Uh, how long have you been at Microsoft? Uh, I have uh, been um, FTE for 10 years, full-time okay. employee for 10 years, and then I did marketing. That marketing job was a contracting job for two and a half years before that. So really almost 13 years. Yeah, 13 years in the walls. Yep. I love that you talked about fate versus planned, and I can tell you more than three quarters of my interviews career journey is always fate. <laughs> so <laughs> as much as we try to control things, sometimes we have to let it go and let fate take over. <laughs> right. It's hard, but it's real. Yep. Yep. So as you know, this podcast is focused on bridging the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. What are you seeing in the industry currently? You know, I, I'm thankful to be at Microsoft, which is a place that I think recognizes there's a problem. And from what I see is doing the work to try to overcome it. I think that happens at a system, systematic level where there's certain policies and procedures that are in place to um, influence an equal pay, um, equal sort of pay grade. I know that, that it's not equal today. 
but also through the people that are hired, where the people that are hired are intentional about uh, sort of closing the gap. And uh, I've seen managers be very intentional with ensuring that the women that they bring on board are paid at an equal rate. Um, and so I'm thankful for that. I know that I may be at a place of privilege where that doesn't happen everywhere, uh, but at least with what I'm seeing in my small little bubble, I see change happening. That's awesome. At least, you know, we've got to start somewhere and um, maybe it wasn't like that 10 years ago, but if you're seeing new hires and um, pay equity be top of mind and intentional for the leaders, I think that's a great start. So really happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, another passion of yours is change management and I am very passionate about change management. So tell me what you, why is change management so important to to organizations when they're moving through a technology adoption? Yeah, um, so Jennifer, as you know, I spent a good portion of my career in the partner world, mm -hmm. and um, that was early, uh, like 2010-ish era. And at that point, we were still selling um, you know, Windows Server and SQL Server and a lot of the on-premise technology. Um, mm -hmm. And at that time, it was a deal every four years where, hey, and you buy the licenses. I don't really care if you use them or not. You, you close this deal. Um, maybe I'll help you with some managed services uh, around it. Uh, and that was a different uh, behavior for uh, organizations uh, that are providing the services as well as for the customer. Well, now I think as we're in this cloud world, the power has shifted to the customer where uh, and, and, I, and from what I imagine, in a good way, where they're saying, well, you know what, if I'm not using what I what I purchased, I'm not paying for it. And that's the beauty of the cloud. And what happens for some of those service providers is, well, how do I keep the customer using the product? They have the power to stop using it. So how do I make sure that I am delivering value for them to continue to use this product and to make it part of their their everyday work lives and ecosystem? And that's where I think change management comes into play. I think change management comes into play for the, uh, the organizations that are providing the services to create a process around change manage management for their teams and for, their, um, uh, for how they sell products that we can't sell products in the same way that we did before. And then to provide a service to their customer around change management uh, and for me, change management includes, and, and I'm, I'm including a little bit of customer success in here too, mm -hmm. uh, where change management is the foundation uh, for the customer to make sure that they continue to deliver value for their customers, encouraging them with training and adoption, excuse me, resources and uh, delivering desire for their customers on why they need to use these products or why these products are going to be value for them, valuable for them. And so that change management foundation, I think, is really, really important, especially as we're in a cloud world where the customer truly has the power to make more decisions than they've ever had before. That's, yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, delivering desire. I just love, love, love that. Um, so, you know, being in training, uh, training is a huge way to um uh, make people change. People don't like change. They like to do everything the same way they did yesterday and the years before. You know, people sit at, in the same pew in church. They drive to work the same way. <laughs> 
So uh, people are very change resistant. And so training helps um, get them to buy in into the change and buy in into the technology. But, you know, one thing um, that we've seen in the cloud world is it's so dynamic. Things change by the minute. I think there was uh, an article I read last year that said Microsoft had 500 changes in the cloud over six months. And to manage that is daunting, you know, from an IT perspective, from an end user perspective. So that's why change, managing that change is so critical so that you can get the, the adoption that you need. And you said it the right way where, you know, customers don't want to pay for anything they're not using. So it is very important for them to adopt the technology and then they're getting value for it. And that value is so important that we are delivering. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and I hope um, uh, folks that are listening that may have organizations that are evaluating whether they build a change management practice uh, or not, it is, especially if you're in an organization where you're providing a service, you want to make sure your customer understands why they need this product and why they need it from you. And change management really helps with delivering that foundational understanding. 100% agree. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Um, so with change management and the cloud, we're talking about innovation. Innovation is critical to the technology industry and while we have change all the time and people are amazing at the innovations that they're coming out for coming out with what is your advice for organizations when it comes to innovation how important is it, is it for growth yeah i mean i think we can think of some companies that didn't innovate and what happened to them i mean think about blockbuster and mm -hmm. Uh, uh, even um, uh, Redbox, who mm -hmm. you know, at one point may have been innovative in their solutions, but they didn't change and they um, were comfortable with as, as things were. And I think honestly, the, the time that we're living in right now is such a beautiful opportunity for innovation. In my mind and in, of some of the things that I've researched, innovation is is usually inspired by um, by a challenging situation. So there are organizations who recognize a problem or a challenge that they need to solve for, and they they introduce a service or a product to uh, the environment. If we think about some of the big companies that we know about today, like Uber, like Netflix, like Spotify, a lot of these companies were founded off of big challenges. I mean, Uber, people were being laid off and they you know, needed to uh, find a way to sustain themselves. Uber found a way to take advantage of all of these re laid off resources and pull them together and provide a fleet of cars all across the world that could help people get from point A to point B. That Uber was um, uh, was created around the 2009 uh, timeframe, which we know was uh, a major recession for mm -hmm. for the U.S. And so I think right now there are going to be a ton of new opportunities that are born because of COVID. I think Microsoft is in a and in, in a lot of the tech industry, Zoom, Slack. Uh, teams, all of these solutions are solving a problem today uh, that is 
based off of the COVID world that we know, but what else is out there? What other problems can you solve? How can you disrupt the market mm -hmm. and provide something that is new that people need and want? And I think the more, the closer you get to your customers' problems and what your customers are trying to solve, not just what your, how your customers are using your products today, but what problems are they trying to solve? Uh, I think your users will get closer to what innovation means for them and how they can break through uh, with disruptive solutions and services. Yeah, I think the disruption from Uber um, gave them some challenges, but it just blows my mind how they could even come up with a concept where, you know, you can have a transportation company without transportation, <laughs> without the cars. Right. right. I mean, even disruption. Oh, sorry. Jenna. No, go ahead. Yeah, disruption happens even in like a smaller, a bigger way, but maybe you didn't even realize. So Walt Disney and the Disney company was founded in, I think, 1929, and that was right on the heels of World War II. Uh, and Disney's intent was to make people smile again and to bring smiles to people's faces through cartoons and sharing of stories. And look what Disney is today. Um, and, and so they've constantly figured out how to disrupt and get to that basic foundation of how to make people smile during a really depressing time. And so when we think of disruption, it doesn't have to be something so grand that I've got to bring a whole bunch of fleet of cars of people mm -hmm. all across the world like Uber. It could be something basic, like how am I going to make people smile today? Um, and that being something that your customers may be challenged with. Um, and so I think you can think of disruption as a big grand thing or something super, super small. Yeah. And I think about cell phones, you know, with innovation and disruption. Where was a cell phone? You know, I remember the first cell phone I got, I'm only going to use it for emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing to say. And all my friends said the same thing. And then when we gave it to our kids, it was the same thing. And it was just so funny. Now, that is like our lifeline, you know? It's our clock. It's our camera. It's our computer. It's so many things to everybody. And people can't live without their cell phone. Jennifer, do you remember the time when the cell phone minutes, the calling plan was that talk <laughs> for free after nine o'clock? Yes. If you're that drove, you'd be like, okay, uh, thanks for calling. I'll call you back at 901. <laughs> right. You'd keep your phone off. <laughs> exactly. So, so true. And now we give out our cell phone numbers in, you know, in our signatures at work everywhere because it's the best way to reach us because we're working everywhere and all the time. That's right. So it's just very disruptive. interesting. Yeah, for the AT&T or whoever created that, that was probably disruptive to the market to say, you know what, it's a big cost for us to say, hey, unlimited calling all day versus unlimited calling after nine. That was mm -hmm. disruptive, but look at the behavior that that changed and, and what that has created for our, our world. Right, no, so true. So, you know, with all this change and so much going on and like I said, you know, with cell phones on, it work all the time seems to be, you know, very common. Um, as a working mom, what are some of the challenges you think women face when they have to balance work with life and home life? And then, um, you know, how do you balance being selfless and self-serving? Yeah, you know, for I'll talk about me, um, mm -hmm. my challenge. 
Um, my kids, thankfully, are, and I can say thankfully for my mental and emotional state, thankfully, they are in school. And so they're in a place where we're comfortable. It's a very small environment that they're, they're thriving and that they are also having connection with their peers, which I think is important. Um, but in the very beginning of COVID, uh, I found myself really struggling with how important they are to me versus how important the meeting I was in. Uh-huh. And I found myself treating them as if they were not the most important people in my life. And the reason why I go to work every day and the reason why I work as hard as I do is because I want to provide and create a wonderful world for them. And I found myself in these meetings where I would be working and they would disrupt me and come into my office. And my mindset was that you're a nuisance, that Mm -hmm. you are a problem um, versus you are the joy of my day. And it took a long time for, so like that before they went to school, so they didn't go to school until September. So it maybe from March to August, it took me that time to be like, time out. You're not in this meeting to just be in this meeting. You're in this meeting for them. And if Uh they interrupt you and stop your day, you've just got to ask for some grace from the people on the other line um, and who are also going through the same period. Um, And so that was the most challenging part for me is just to balance the importance of my family versus what I felt was the importance of the moment that I was uh-huh. in, which was the meeting. That That is amazing that you said that. And it reminded me of a story. Um, this was years ago when my mom would call like in the middle of the day or something after she was retired. And I'd be, can I call you back? I can't talk to you now yeah. because, you know, I'm at work. And somebody said something so profound to me. They said, you know, take that minute to talk to your mom because... Later on, this will be you with your kids, and you will be so hurt when you call them and they can't talk to you. And I stopped. I was like, okay, I'm going to take a pause, and if I can't talk to you this second, I'm going to call you back in 30 minutes, you know, but I'm going to take that time to make sure that she felt she was important. Yes, absolutely. So, so interesting. Um, And you, you know, the way you describe the home and work situation, I felt the same way and then had to really realize, you know, your kids are why you do this. And if they have a question, let's answer their question. But I used to get mad, you know, like, no, don't talk to me right now. Can you not hear me in this meeting? (laughs) Oh, so interesting. So Asia, who inspires you and why? Mm, um, so, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to show my generation with this one or who I allies. I mean, take it for what you what you wish. But I truly am always inspired by Beyonce. I mean, mm-hmm. really. Um, just a woman who has just climbed so high and almost reached like true idol status like i mean like like almost like a zeus god in in um in some some spaces um and i and and watching her go through sort of the phases of her career where she was with um uh, destiny's child the group and the band or the i should say the group um and went off on her own uh and some of the challenges that she's faced with 
and I, I, I can relate. She talked early in her career about when she was on stage, like she felt like she had to be Sasha. Uh, and she created this other identity for herself um, where she would perform as Sasha, but then at home she was Beyonce. And then over time, as she found a way that Beyonce was the performer. And so when she got on stage, she became Beyonce. And I can relate to that, where at certain points of my career, and, and I still think I'm trying to navigate through it, feeling like I had to come to work as a different person. I had to show up as not my full and authentic self at work, um, mm -hmm. but allow my authentic self to be who I am at home. And um, I'm, I'm trying to be better at blending that and to show up as Asia all the time, not as this other personality at work where somebody in my work life could still recognize me if they saw me in the mall. Um, and I'm trying to work to shed that, to shed that, that need to be two different people. That I get inspired by Beyonce, that story that she's done. But it's also her accomplishments, the Grammys that she's won, won um, the, the collaborations she's done, the records she performs, the audiences that she attracts. Beyonce definitely inspires me. That's awesome. And she is very, very impressive and very inspiring. And I can see how those, the journey of her life has kind of motivated you to take that extra step and go go bigger and higher, you know, and do the things that maybe sometimes scare us, you know. So that's that's great. I love that. Um, so Asia, you're such a successful leader in the tech world. What advice would you give to a woman who's um, considering a career in the tech industry or really moving careers? Yeah, um, I, I too transitioned from music industry to tech. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, that transition for me was unexpected, but just just something that I could not imagine living without. And I would say if you're interested in a career in tech, while it might seem either intimidating or boring, you won't know until you try it. And for me, uh, it has been so lively uh, that all of my preconceived notions of boring are are now like no longer reality and if I had never taken the step to evaluate a career in tech even though it's more of a business career in tech versus a technical career in tech um, I, I wouldn't have had this experience and I think Microsoft especially has allowed me to create a career full of purpose where I feel every day completely aligned to our mission, which is to um, uh, in inspire every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Mm -hmm. Every day when I come to work and the customers that I have the opportunity to serve, I feel directly connected to that mission. Uh, and it, it, I don't know if I would have had that same sort of purpose if I stayed in the in, in the music industry, maybe, but I would say you won't know until you try. That's great advice. And, you know, I think the other thing that's really important for women to realize is that the tech industry doesn't just mean coding. There's so many other jobs within tech, you know, marketing, sales, uh, research. There's just so much that, that women can really apply very good skill sets to be very successful in. Absolutely. All right. So, Asia, in closing, can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, as Asia Page Hill, first name. 
no I, T H E Hill. Uh, I am, um, uh, that's probably the most active place I am. Twitter is not very active for me. But my email, if you'd like to out, I love engaging with other women interested in careers in tech. My email is AjaP, A J A P, Apple Jackson, Apple Paul, at Microsoft.com. You are awesome. This was such a pleasure to have you and an honor to have you on my show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for all the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.